Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Patreon.com slash the Derek Lamont Experience, as well as the All Our Nonsense Podcast Network, as well as YouTube.com slash the Derek Lamont Experience, or via the YouTube handle, I am the Derek Lamont Experience, all across the board. Welcome back, guys. Um, <clears throat> this show is going to be kind of tough. I actually have decided to split it into different parts because of a lot that's happened this week, Okay. So we are going to cover a lot of things, and um, I remembered that the God of War review embargo was coming Thursday morning, so I have to actually, I'm recording this Wednesday night after my stream, Walking Dead Wednesdays, twitch.tv slash the Derek Lamont Experience, Madden Mondays, 2K Tuesdays, Walking Dead Wednesdays, The Last of Us Thursdays, and Fortnite Friday. Saturdays are reserved for Red Dead Redemption, and then Sunday's a wild card day. We just kind of play whatever. So I'm recording this after Wednesday night stream. The God of War review embargo lifts at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So by the time you guys hear this on Saturday, the reviews will be out. There is a part of this episode at the end where I'm going to talk about that. So what you're listening to right now, this is being recorded on Wednesday night. Okay? So, um, let's just go ahead and get, get into it. We are going to start with the unfortunate situation that happened in Houston early Tuesday morning. Um, this is really tough because... Takeoff, unfortunately, the murder of, of Takeoff of the Migos. Um, nobody saw that with death. Nobody sees it coming unless you kind of know if the person's sick, you know, it's understood like this could be it. We know and you've stored, you, you know, you can't really prepare yourself for death, but you've done the best that you absolutely can. In this instance, nobody knew uh, what was coming. It. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and get into it. So, um, went to bed Monday night, Halloween. Um, I'm not a big Halloween person, person, but being a dad, it's something that, you know, you have to be, uh, you kind of have to participate as long as your kids still want to trick or treat. You've got to kind of, you know, go along with the flow, right? So go to bed Monday night. Um, and I wake up. Um, I wake up to a flood of text Tuesday morning and it started with the group chat that I'm a, a part of. And if you've been listening to the All Our Nonsense podcast for a while, you would know who the other prim principal members are. Courtney, Juan, and Sturl. Um, 6.20 a.m. is when the text messages start. My alarm went off at 7. Courtney said, not Houston taking takeoff. Sturl's reply, still waiting on full confirmation, but they definitely were out here last night. From what I'm hearing, it's a private event over a fucking dice game. Courtney's like, a dice game? Wow, really? Sturl said, yeah, shaking my head. Yeah, apparently they both got hit and he passed. It's a small source outlets reporting the death. Courtney said, hot 107.9 broke the news to the city here. Sturl lives in Houston. Courtney lives in Atlanta. Obviously, it took place in Houston. Uh, Courtney lives in Atlanta. Migos are from Gwinnett, so the north. They always say, we from the north. Yeah, that way. You know what I mean? So, uh, Courtney said, yeah, it's all over the radio here. Sterl said, crazy. Juan said, wow. I woke up, and I'm like, are you kidding? Over a fucking dice game? This is insane. And then, you know, it's just like, Nip, th this is, the, you know, I, I just named off these people. Nip, Dolph, Triple X, oh, P&B Rock, and Takeoff. And I'm like, this is, you know, 
just since 2018. Also, Drake, Yo, the Ruler, King Von, uh, uh, Pop Smoke, so many others. And I don't want to just focus on these guys, but these are the ones that immediately came to mind. And it's just absolutely devastating. So there's been so much to come out, so much that's been said. Um... <clears throat> There's so many things. I'm not going to speculate. We're just going to go into certain things, right? Okay, so these are the things that started to come out in the wake of the situation. Um, Jesus. There was so much. Um... Apparently, there was a dice game that Quavo was involved in. It had nothing to do with Offset. Offset was kind of standing off to the side, just doing his own thing. And which is what he's been known to do. This is what people always say. Said always stay to himself. I'm not, sorry, not Offset. Jesus Christ, I apologize. Offset is married to Cardi B. He is no longer part of the group at, at this point. You know, is there a group? Okay, Takeoff. I'm sorry. Quavo was part of a dice game, or this is what they say. And then it's come. we've come to hear today that that even wasn't true. So apparently Quavo and some gentlemen were getting into it over a dice game. And the guy said something. Quavo didn't like it. Somebody from Migos' crew started firing first. Somebody fired back. Takeoff took a shot. And that was it. Then we hear that's not true. So then what I've heard today is there was no argument. Quavo was not shooting dice. He was trying to defuse a situation with somebody else. Then it was said that... I know that apparently Jazz Prince, or it was either J Prince Jr., one of them was there, it was like their party, and you couldn't get in with a weapon, right? Only their people apparently could get in with weapons. Again, I don't know how true that is. I'm not here to speculate on anything at all. I do know whoever took the video and posted it online should be absolutely ashamed. Seeing that video across the timeline and... Seeing Quavo scream for help and somebody going to lift the body and there was a young lady who was like, no, do not move his body. I am a nurse. Do not move his body. It was absolutely horrific. Nobody should have to experience this. Three of my cousins were murdered in a six year period. A lot of people in my family died of natural causes, but three of my cousins were murdered in a six year period. One was shot in the back of the head. Um... One was stabbed by his girlfriend in the thigh. She hit an artery. He asked her to call the paramedics. She said, nothing's wrong with you. You're fine. Stop complaining. By the time he started to lose color, she noticed all the blood he was you know, losing. She called the paramedics. By the time they get there, it was too late. He had bled out. And then another cousin of mine was shot as well. Um, <sighs> violence, clearly never the answer. We all one day have to meet our maker, no matter who you believe in. At some point, you have to meet your maker. Whether it was over a dice game or whatever the situation was, from my understanding, if there were supposed to be no weapons in there, then it should have never went down like this. Now, there's a lot of people in Houston. Things, words are being exchanged. I'm not from Houston. I'm only telling you what I've been told by people that I know that are in the know. Um... Let's see. So then the conversation kind of went on with some friends. Um, 
there was a girl who came out on social media, recorded a video, and said, this is what ha happened, all the dice game stuff is a bunch of bullshit, yada, yada, yada. So I replied, like I said, me and CT are connected to some people that were there, and they all saying it was some foul play type shit going on. J Prince and J Prince Jr. really move on some mob shit. Apparently it was a mob ties party. If you've heard the Scorpion album by Drake, Mob Ties, that song is basically a dedication to J uh, Prince. Scorpio came out around the time J uh, Drake and Pusha T were beefing. And apparently there was a response to the story of Adidon and Drake shelved it because J Prince told him to. Apparently it could have got really, really bad. Pusha T says he doesn't believe it. I don't know who to believe, but the things I've heard about J Prince, just saying. Um, I said this on the stream. Somebody asked me, I said, hey, I think the 50 versus Murder, Inc. thing could have went a lot different had J Prince intervened. And somebody was like, what are you talking about? It has nothing to do with him. I was like, J Prince, Suge Knight, and Irv Gotti had formed some sort of alliance. Now, unfortunately... The FBI raided Murder, Inc.'s offices. Suge probably, I believe Suge might have went back to jail. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but that kind of tore things up with the feds getting involved. Had the feds not gotten involved and Jay Prince was able to intervene, I don't think the 50 versus Ja Rule thing would have went as far as it did. I will say that. That's my personal belief. I could be wrong. Um, there is a situation where Jazz Prince, who is the one that basically brought drake to wayne's attention he was supposed to get a percentage off of basically what cash money was getting for drake and there's an episode of rap radar podcast you can find it on youtube or any podcast podcast platform where jay prince talks about how his son didn't get what he was owed and they actually had to sit down and and get the books worked out and he said from his belief that he believes baby and cash money spent the money and you know baby still to this day calls himself stunner you know what i mean so for baby it was more about the lifestyle and the look um than actually we've heard a lot of people say this they're not paying a lot of artists it's more about the lifestyle and about the look you know i think it was wayne or turk they were like we were kids and they you know we didn't think anything of it because there was always women around when we needed it, we wanted something, they gave us a Rolex and they gave us a car and we would shut up at our age. That was all we needed. But the older you get, you don't have certain things. You don't have money. You start to think about these things. And that's where they started to question the situation with cash money. Right. So they say the baby's more about the lifestyle. So today, apparently, um, <clears throat> Sauce Walker had something to say again, as my cousin Sterling said, uh, you know, they are connected to some people down there. CT used to host a radio show, and I actually helped him produce it, even though from here back in St. Louis. And he's connected to a lot of people. Uh, we interviewed a lot of great people for that show. Uh, Project Pat. Um, CT interviewed... Um, Jesus Christ, what is his name? He was part of the Ghetto Boys with Face and Willie D. Bushwick Bill. Bushwick Bill uh chasing cash um the lunatics they talked to us about performing at the super bowl uh a ball and mjg so many crazy people if you're part of the culture and you're part of hip-hop you understand so these were some crazy important interviews um sauce walker ct got really cool with them 
or aka Chuck, whatever you want to call him. And, um, you know, he's had a lot to say. So this is what came out today. Houston legend Sauce Walker tells Jazz Prince his number don't change. Sauce Walker said, this one hurt, hurt. We all came in this shit together. Same time, same dream, regardless of what we've been through. At YRN, take off a real king. Real, no, you ain't deserve that. Wish, oh God, who posted this? I think it was Sauce Walker who posted. Let me go to his Instagram page. We'll see. Okay, so here's the post. This one hurt. We all came in this shit together. Same time, same dream. Regardless of what we've been through at YRN, take off a king. Real no, you ain't deserve that. Wish I was with me in Houston. At Quavo, Huncho, I love you, brother. Sorry, our condolences. Ain't enough words to explain this loss. This is an L for Houston and an L for hip-hop. Hashtag Sauce Migo Gang. Sauce Migo, Sauce Migo shit. YRN, TSF, brothers before fame. Um... this was tough so then jazz prince replied at sauce walker 102 what you trying to say jazz prince uh, sauce walker replied i said it already my number don't change so basically if you want to know what i'm talking about or you got something to say my number hasn't changed you got my number call me uh sauce walker and his uh, and I think they accused Drake of kind of stealing their flow. Yeah, they did. And they talked about it on CT's radio show. I forgot about that. So they accused Drake of stealing their flow and a lot of shit. So this is going really, really deep. Um, Everybody's speculating, saying this, that, and the third. Now it's kind of brought up the whole, the messy video just dropped, I believe, Monday. This is the song where Quavo alludes to apparently Sweetie messed with Offset. And that's what split the group and led to him... And uh, Takeoff just doing the Unconfused album. And um, it's just really a sad situation. We didn't need any of this. We Murder is never needed, number one, right? Um, a lot of people posting the clip from Friday where John Witherspoon walks in on Ice Cube getting the gun out of his door. And he's like, what do you need that for? Like, you kids are a bunch of punks today, y'all. Scared to put down a gun and fight. And at 40 years old, yeah, I kind of feel that way. Like... We'll grab a pistol and start shooting it out before we actually sit down and knuck up and fight. And it's really sad that somebody has to bury their child. Uh, for Quavo, they're only three years apart. Off, uh, Takeoff was born in 94. Quavo was born in 91, I believe, is what I saw. Um, either way, that was his nephew. And he turned around and he was dead. Like, how terrible is that? So the autopsy revealed there were more than one shot. Uh, I think he took one in the arm. There was one in the head and and I believe the neck or the chest as well. He took multiple shots. They said three shots, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, let's double check because I don't want to report anything incorrect. Mm. Um, okay, I can't find the article, but they still say that they don't have any, uh, suspects in custody or anything like that. They are still searching. The Houston police are urging people, uh, 
that would have any information to please come forward. Um, it's just a really shitty situation, man. It really, I was listening to the Joe Budden show this morning because I knew that they were going to have, you know, some sort of a tribute. And of course, they started the show with it. And Joe just kept running back Migos hits and a lot of stuff where, where Takeoff had the first verse. And I tweeted, I'm like, yo, this is sad because Migos really was the wave. And like, I just ran this Migos playlist I had today and I was just like, yo, they had so many fucking hits. So many hits. People forget. Um, those brothers came to us and a lot of people were like, somebody tweeted like, if you were an undergrad during the time where the Migos broke, it was a special time. They played them at every party. Um, it really was a special time. They really, they represented, and like for them to have a series of albums, you know, titled Culture, it's perfect because they represented culture. They really, really did. And this is really sad because this brother just really stayed to himself and was very low key. And not to say that said or Quavo didn't, and not to say that said or Quavo deserved to die. Nobody deserves to die. Nobody. Um, it's just so sad that that this happened and um i'm beyond befuddled um sending my condolences to the family and friends of not only takeoff but offset quavo everybody um anybody that was close to takeoff because a lot of people not only in the music industry but athletes have come out you know in shock and disbelief everybody is really really hurt behind this and uh this one's gonna fuck up the community for a while like every death i like i remember how it felt you know the impact is not as big as kobe's because kobe was a laker for 20 years and before he was out of high school we knew who he was he took brandy to prom for god's sakes right but this i, I remember when nip died or nip when nip was murdered this still has that feeling behind it so it's going to take us a while to get past this one. It really, really is. Takeoff was a special dude. Um, and Migos really were the culture. And everybody started tweeting out videos of them and stuff. And somebody tweeted out the carpool karaoke video with James Corden. I thought that was amazing. It was great. And then BET tweeted out the performance of Bad and Bougie, stating, let's be clear, Takeoff was not left off Bad and Bougie. And that performance nearly brought me to tears. Like, they killed that performance. There was not a single person in the crowd sitting down when the camera did, a, did multiple sweeps. Everybody was getting it to bad and bougie. And it was a special time, man. Uh, Migos really was the wave. Really, really was the wave. And all I can say is, again, rest in peace to take off. Condolences to the family and friends. And, uh... Yeah, this one's going to hurt for a while, and we're definitely going to miss you, man. We're definitely going to miss you. So, In other news, another passing we have to report. Uh, this came this afternoon. Tom Coughlin, formerly of the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars, also Boston College, uh, had a statement on the passing of his wife, Judy Coughlin. Quote, my cherished wife and our beloved mother and grandmother, Judy Whitaker Coughlin, passed away this morning at the age of 77. Judy was a remarkable woman in every way. She lived a life filled with love and unselfishly gave her heart and soul to others. Judy made you feel like an old friend from the first hug to the last. She was a mother to all, and, to all on and off the field. 
For everyone who knew and loved Judy, the enormity of her absence cannot be put into words, but the immense kindness she showed to others will always endure. Our hearts are broken, uh, but we know she is free from suffering and at peace with the Lord. Um, this is sad. Nobody wants to lose a loved one at all. Um, praying very so uh, very much for the Coughlin family as well in their difficult time of need. Um, it, it's just really sad. You know, I, I hate having to report on deaths, but this is life and this is part of the culture. And, and I, I do want to give those give them their flowers, you know, and also uh, QC, uh, the CEO of QCP also had something to say about takeoff as well. I forgot this. At, Young King at YRN takeoff. I don't know where to begin, but I want to say that anybody that knows me knows how much I love you and anybody that knows you uh knows that you definitely didn't deserve to die at such a young age. We only get one life and once it's gone, it's over, no coming back. So with that being said, I want our community to remember that we don't have to continue to result to violence every time there is a disagreement. It's okay to love your brother and sister. We have all been guilty of self-hate, but I pray this never-ending cycle uh, will someday change us all. We have so many memories to keep your name alive as we mourn your lost I pray that everyone please be understanding to what the family has uh, to what the family has to see on the Internet with the videos and negative comments. This is somebody's child. Let them get through this process with peace and love. You came from the stars. I know you will forever be up there watching down on all of us. I will forever love you. Um, I thought that was very poignant. Um, Drake, obviously very, very close with the Migos, or, or so as, as we believe, um, performed with them, went on tour with them, uh, jumped on um, uh, the Versace remix. And not going to lie, that's how I found out about the Migos. Um, you know, he toured with them. Drake, very poignant in what he said as well. Uh, I got the best memories of all of us seeing the world together and bringing light to every city we touch. That's what I'll focus on for now. Rest easy, spaceman. Take off. Um, again, this is a very, very sad day for hip hop. Um, we, again, this one's going to hurt for a while. This one is going to hurt for a while. So, I don't know. Um, whew. That one got emotional. So, uh, let's get into the rest of the shit, shall we? And this is going to be the more lighthearted part of the, the show. So, Elon Musk did go ahead and acquire Twitter. The acquisition has gone through. He has taken over, and he has some things to say. Twitter's current lords and uh, peasants system for who has or doesn't have a blue check mark is bullshit. Power to the people. Blue for $8 a month. So now... For $8 a month, with Twitter Blue, you get a verified checkmark. Uh, to all complainers, Musk says, please, con please continue complaining, but it will cost $8. Uh, Elon Musk announced on Tuesday that Twitter's new verification system will cost $8 per month. Users would have 90 days to join the subscription program or have their verified status revoked. This is interesting. Included in the price would not only be the blue checkmark, but also the pri a priority in search, fewer ads, and the ability to post long-form videos. Musk has said in various tweets... Uh, Musk is planning to overhaul Twitter Blue, the site's premium subscription service, with these features. Reports also claim that Elon Musk has issued an ultimatum to his Twitter staff to update the Twitter Blue program by November 7th or get fired. Um, November 7th, I'm recording this on the 5th. 
the seventh would be Monday. So he went in and head started rolling immediately. Um, he fired a lot of top people. They're out of there. A lot of people cannot understand why he's doing this. But <clears throat> um, Stephen King replied, like, this is bullshit, blah, 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 blah. And Elon Musk basically told him, hey, these bills got to get paid whether you like it or not. So um, the shitty part about this is with Elon taking over and saying freedom of speech is back and comedy is back. Uh, the usage of the word nigger is up 500% on Twitter. And that's not a made up number. That's basically not even basically that's based on actual stats. The word nigger has been tweeted 500% more times since Elon Musk took over Twitter and took off some of the guidelines. So in response to this, everybody's kind of upset a lot of people who have blue check marks don't want to pay the $8. I would not pay dollars for Twitter Blue. I've never been verified on Twitter, Instagram, or anything else, and I'm not going to pay to be verified. And if you can pay for it $8 a month, it kind of loses the, the point, right? Like, what's the point? Because everybody would be able to do it at that point. If you're, willing to pay, if you're willing to pay $8 a month to get verified, the check loses it's authenticity in my opinion. And I had this conversation with a friend on my stream the other night. So everybody's kind of like, yeah, I don't fucking think so. I'm not paying for Twitter blue. I could care. I don't care. I don't have to be verified. As a matter of fact, it's actually less stress for me because I don't ever really want fame. I'd like to have to be compensated for my work, but I don't care for fame. I don't want my personal life being out there. So this is really, really crazy. Speaking of Twitter, um, Nibel, or Nibel, or however much you, however you pronounce it, Nibel is leaving Twitter, and you can partially blame Elon Musk. I thought this was very, very interesting. The reputable source of gaming news is departing the platform, citing Musk's Twitter takeover and lack of revenue for their work. Uh, outside of stellar game industry coverage, Nibel was the was best recognized for their Mob Psycho avatar, which displays the titular character Mob against a yellow backdrop image. Uh, Nebel at Nebelian has left the building, the popular Twitter user best known for their steady, reliable stream of gaming industry news and recognizable Mob Psycho avatar announced today that they would be leaving the platform, citing a lack of financial support and concerns over Elon Musk's leadership. A final message was posted to the now locked account announcing the departure, definitely, definitively saying, quote, after some introspective introspection, I'm sorry, I've made the decision to focus my time and energy elsewhere and move on from Twitter. This marks the end of my video game's coverage and my active participation in this platform. Nibel posted a more detailed message to their Patreon subscribers confirming the month-old Patreon account would also be abandoned and that future plans for a Discord server were being scrapped. Billing for the Patreon account has already been deactivated and refunds for recent payments are being looked into. Uh, per the Patreon, after some introspective, again, same thing on Twitter, after, after some introspective, I made the decision to focus my time and energy elsewhere and move on from Twitter. This marks the end of my video games coverage and my active participation in this platform. Thanks to everybody for the fun times. Farewell, Nebel. P.S. I'll leave up. I'll leave the account up so nobody, so nobody can grab the handle for malicious purposes. Uh, Nebel explained that attempts to recreate a reliable attempts to create a reliable revenue stream have proved unsuccessful. I've learned in a lot. I've learned a lot in a short period of time. Unfortunately, I was not able to create an interesting and sustainable Patreon, which is evident in the number of patrons stagnating during the first weekend and the first of many pledges being deleted during the first week. 
Nebel wrote in the Patreon update. I have miscalculated the value of my Twitter activity and realized that it is nothing worth supporting by itself for the vast majority of people. Um, and this is the message that was left on his Patreon. Today I will move on from both Twitter and Patreon. There won't be any games coverage from me on either platform. I've learned a lot in a short period of time. Again, unfortunately, I was not able to create an interesting and sustainable Patreon, which is evident in the number of patrons stagnating during the first weekend and the first of many pledges being deleted during the first week. I've miscalculated the value of my Twitter activity and realized that it is nothing worth supporting by itself for the vast majority of people. It is not uh, it is not me who is popular, but it is that work that is useful. It is not valuable by itself, but a comfortable time saver. And I get that now. I was unable to create a, re a re uh, reliable revenue stream, but I'm still happy I gave it a shot, and I want to thank everybody on here who gave me a shot as well. I'll look into refunds for recent payments, have already deactivated the billing, and will likely close this page this week. The Discord server is obviously not coming either. It is what it is. Then there's this elephant in the room, which is the platform itself. I don't think that Twitter has yet experienced good leadership, and this trend will not change with Musk either. I do not trust the platform. I do not trust Musk, and... His seemingly infinite immaturity. I do not think Twitter will fall apart instantly, but that it could die a slow death. Why waste more time? Anyway, I guess that's it. The last text I'm writing here. Guess I have less staying power than a lettuce as well. Farewell, Nebel. P.S. The Twitter account will stay up so nobody can cause any issues with the handle, at least for now. Um, it's interesting because this was a guy that a lot of people really went to for their takes uh for their video game news screenshots they would tweet live tweet conferences all that stuff i check nibel's account for everything and I, again i'm recording this on wednesday night in the god of war uh review embargo lips in the morning it's going to be on the timeline but i would have probably seen it via this account first and now it's not there now i know where i can go find it but it's just different. It won't feel the same without him. It's just like the Musk leadership, a lot of people are looking at it a certain way, and I can't say that I'm far off from looking at it that way either. I do think it's going to be a shit show, and it's already proven to be that. And because of what's going on there, it seems Tumblr has kind of lifted their community guidelines where <laughs> nudity is pretty much acceptable again on Tumblr. So this is all really, really crazy. Um I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if everybody's going to migrate back to Tumblr. It is what it is. Um, I still have my blog over there for Insole Unfiltered. And there will be an episode coming up soon. Everybody's just been really, really busy. But there will be an episode coming up soon. So I don't know. Um, in other news, this one's very, very interesting. When Dan Snyder a couple of years ago said he would never change the name from the aforementioned Redskins. And they changed the name. He changed the name to the Washington Commanders. He also said earlier couple weeks ago he would never sell a team well apparently that has changed this was a statement put out by the washington commanders two uh two one three hundred coach gibbs drives ashburn virginia 20147 washington commanders hire bank of america securities to consider potential transactions uh ashburn va november 2nd 2022 dan and tanya snyder and the washington commanders announced today they have hired bank of america securities to consider potential transactions the Snyders remain committed to the team, all of its employees, and countless fans who are putting the best product on the field, continuing the work to set the gold standard for workplaces in the NFL. Uh, Washington Commanders established 1932. So 
um, there was an outcry from Washington fans today where they were completely relieved. That's how bad it's gotten there. People wanted them to sell this fucking team. And it looks like they're going to get their wish. Um, battling Jerry Jones in court, battling Robert Kraft and other members of the NFL brass, the top guys who have all the power, it's never a good thing. And I did not think this was going to go well for him. When Jim Mersey came out and said, we do have merit to remove him as an owner, I knew it was going to get tricky then. And here we go. This is the absolute proof of it. So looks like pretty soon the Washington Commanders or the Washington football team, if you like to still call them by that previous name, I would ask that you don't for obvious reasons. It feels weird saying anything other than that. It also feels weird saying anything other than the Cleveland you know, redacted as well. But I would ask that you not say those things for certain reasons. But it looks like this is the beginning of the end for the Snyder family and owning the Washington football franchise. Perhaps better days are to come. Um, if they get a new owner, I would not be surprised if they get a stadium deal really, really quickly. So this should be very interesting. Keep your eyes open on that one. So we covered all that stuff. Let's head over to the other news. Uh, Rolling Stone magazine. Drake, Megan Thee Stallion, uh, John Legend signed Protect Black Art, open letter defending creative expression. Uh, Big Sean, Alicia Keys, Jack Harlow as well, 21 Savage and more signed the letter protesting the use of rap lyrics as a means of criminalizing black artists. Dozens of musicians, industry, music industry executives, legal experts and more added their signatures to the art on trial. Protect the black art, open letter defending creative expression and protesting the use of rap lyrics as a means of criminalizing black artists. The letter refers to the current incarceration of Atlanta rapper Young Thug, currently being held in Georgia's Fulton County on RICO charges that cite his song lyrics as evidence of an over, uh, overt act and further, furtherance of a conspiracy. As a leading example of the damage done by the racially discriminatory practice of treating rap lyrics as confessions. There's a country song, I thought it was a joke because I heard it in Varsity Blues, and the lyric goes, she broke my heart, so I broke her jaw. I did not, and Varsity Blues came out when I was a junior in high school. I did not find out till probably 10 years after that, that that was a real song lyric and a real song. Nobody is going to hold a country artist on trial and use those lyrics against them. But if somebody in rap says, I pulled the stick out, I pulled the Draco out, guess what? You're going to jail. They are tearing up the culture of southern hip-hop right now and not just southern hip-hop hip-hop as a whole okay because it's time to stop saying east coast south west coast midwest hip-hop is a culture all right it's a culture get over it we're not going to generalize it or regionalize it um so they're saying this now and they they want they want to use these lyrics against Thug and Gunna and everybody else they've locked up as part of these RICO charges, saying that YSL is a criminal organization, this, that, and the third, which is bullshit. It's entertainment, it's rap. In metal, you know, Ozzy Osbourne bit a bat's head off and talks about satanic rituals and things like that, but he didn't get locked up. You know, where the Christians or the, you know, extremists, he's like, oh, this is terrible, you know, and there have been some groups who are like, they're poisoning our children. But you see it more when it comes to rappers, right? Marilyn Manson got an earful from people. Eminem got it worse, okay? Uh, in the courtrooms across America, the trend of prosecutors using artists' creative expression against them is happening with troubling frequency. The letter drafted and published by the Warner Music Group reads, regardless of the medium, music, the visual arts, writing, television, film, fans implicitly understand that creative expression is rooted in what artists uh, see and hear. 
It's a reflection of the times we live in. The final work is a product of the artist's vision and imagination. It continues rappers or storytellers creating entire worlds populated with complex characters who can play both hero and villain. But more than any other art form, rap lyrics are essentially being used as confessions in an attempt to criminalize black creativity and artistry. The letter signees include prominent figures in hip-hop such as Drake, Megan Thee Stallion, 21 Savage, Quavo, Meek Mill, Lil Baby, Roddy Rich, Jack Harlow, 2 Chains, Lil Uzi Vert, Future Travis Scott, Big Sean, A Boogie with the Hoodie, J. Cole, and more. It also drew support from artists outside of the genre, including Normani, Alicia Keys, John Legend, Coldplay, Willow, uh, Giveon, Nessa Barrett, Omar Apollo, Post Malone, and others. Also named on the extensive list of signatures are leading music companies, Universal Music, Group, Live Nation Entertainment, Spotify, Tidal, YouTube Music, TikTok, SoundCloud, and Atlanta-based LVRN, and Quality Control, among others. The use of lyrics against artists in this way is un-American un and simply wrong, the letter states, beyond the obvious disregard for free speech and creative expression protected by the First Amendment. This racially targeted practice punishes already marginalized communities and their stories of family struggle, survival, and triumph. The letter comes one weeks after California Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law a bill that aims to restrict the use of rap lyrics as evidenced by prosecutors in criminal cases. The law requires judges to press prosecutors on the purpose behind including lyrics as evidence and interrogate whether doing so injects, quote, racial bias into the proceedings. The virtual bill signing held in September was attended by Ty Dolla Sign, Meek Mill, Tiger, YG, Killer Mike, and Recording Academy CEO Harvey Mason Jr., some of whom also signed the Protect Black Art open letter. Uh, quote, we urge uh, prosecutors to voluntary, voluntarily end this practice in their jurisdictions. The letter continues. In the meantime, we, can, we encourage legislator, legislators at the state and federal level to explicitly limit how creative expression can be used against defendants on trial. There are already signs of hope across America. We applaud, applaud Governor Newsom for recently signing a bill into law in California and we urge action on bills currently under consideration in New York and New Jersey, as well as the RAP Restoring Artistic Protection Act legislation introduced by Rep. Uh, Republican Hank Johnson and Republican Jamal Bowman in the U.S. Congress. The work is far from done, and we must all join together to defend creative freedom and expression. Uh, in a separate state statement, Atlantic Music Group uh, Chairman, Chairwoman sorry, and CEO Julie Greenwald, who did phenomenal work at Def Jam, don't want to say that throughout the hist uh, throughout history artists have created characters and forged narratives that reflect the culture around them the freedom of expression is essential to the creative process and the role of art in society the harsh reality is that black artistic creativity is being threatened at an unprecedented level and we must make every effort to stop this unethical uh, discriminatory approach to prosecution kevin lyles chairman of ceo and ceo of 300 electric electric uh, Electra Entertainment expanded on the notion, adding, for decades, a racial double standard has been employed against black and brown hip-hop artists by turning their creative visions against them in courts of law. Enough is enough. He concluded, if prosecutors are willing, unwilling to end this practice on their own, the laws need to be passed that end this flagrant abuse. On behalf of Warner Music Group, I want to thank the extraordinary group of people across our industry and the legal community who are joining us in this critical fight. Again, this you know, comes at a, a hell of a time because Gunna and Thug are sitting in jail on RICO charges. Again, they're stating that YSL is a criminal enterprise um, and they are using lyrics from their own songs against them. So this is really, really crazy. Um, 
I don't know. I hope this they I hope they figure this out. Um, in other news, Drake and 21 Savage's album, Her Loss, will release by the time you guys hear this on Patreon Saturday. The album will be available. Also, by the time you guys hear this on the free feeds on Monday, the album will be available next Tuesday. Uh, the 8th is midterm elections. I urge you all to get out and vote. Your vote matters. Your vote, your vote counts. Stop telling yourself it doesn't. This is imperative. If you want to see be the change you want to see. Okay, go out and vote in the midterm elections. In other news, Electronic Arts strikes three deal, three game deal with Marvel. This comes from Bloomberg.com by Lucas Shaw. Electronic Arts Inc. will develop three video games inspired by Marvel comic book characters after forging a deal that gives the company access to the most popular entertainment franchise in the world. The first game EA is making is based on Iron Man, a billionaire inventor and superhero who is the subject of one of the first hit Marvel movies. It announced in September. The Redwood City, California-based developer plans to create a single-player action-adventure game for PCs and consoles that feature an original story based on Iron Man's history. EA didn't provide details about other characters it plans to use or give a release timetable. Marvel games could bring in gaming customers who haven't been drawn to the popular, other popular EA titles like the FIFA Soccer franchise. According to Laura Mealy, the company's chief operating officer, the comic book brand, which is owned by Walt Disney Corporation, underpins the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an interconnected web of movies that have grossed tens of billions of dollars at the box office. Uh, EA is also partnered with Disney's Lucasfilm to make games set in the world of Star Wars, such as Star Wars Battlefront and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. A 10 of 10, I recommend. That could serve as the model for EA's relationship with Marvel, which has licensed its characters to several different video game publishers over the last few years. Quote, we have an intentional, deliberate strategy to have a balanced portfolio, Mealy said. There will be Marvel fans who don't play other EA games, but that's been true with Star Wars. Mealy first contacted Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige four years ago for advice on overseeing EA's many gaming studios. She reached out again during the pandemic and struck up a relationship with Jay Ong, Marvel's head of gaming, which eventually led to the deal. The Iron Man game is being developed by Motive uh, Studio, a Montreal-based studio unit of Electronic Arts. Um, God, I had a point about this and, oh, I remember what the point is. So when EA, uh, I can't remember which EA studio was developing Anthem. And when they showed off the first gameplay, people were like, oh, these mech suits kind of look like Iron Man. And when this deal was announced, that was literally the first thing that came to mind. And to be honest with you, Anthem turned out to be a fucking disaster. Um, I hope Motive knows what they're doing. I also fear that we're going to see the cannibalism of the Marvel Cinematic franchises uh, because Disney Plus ex exists. They're there. The films, it's getting to the point where the release of a MCU film used to be this really, really big deal. And now we're so used to them because we get them all the time and the TV shows as well. Some of the luster is gone. I'm not going to lie. For me, it is anyway. I don't know how the rest of you feel. Uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever will be out next week, so we'll see how that one goes. Um, but it just kind of feels like it's a bit oversaturated at this point. That's just my thoughts on it. You guys, like I said, could be com thinking completely different, but that's just the way I feel at this moment. Not going to lie. So we will see how that one goes. Um, in other news, where are we at? Um... On the wrestling front, we want to send our love to WWE's Carmella and Corey Graves, 
Carmela opens up about suffering a miscarriage and uh, ectopic pregnancy. Carmela bravely opened up about the losses in an Instagram post on Monday. With uh, Monday being the final day of pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, WWE star Carmela, real name Leah Van Dale, opened up about recently suffering two pregnancy losses. Carmela shared an Instagram post on Monday that she suffered an early miscarriage in September. After that loss, she got pregnant again but had to be treated for an ectopic pregnancy today. That would have been on Monday. Um... Or actually, when was this posted? This was, yeah, this was posted on Monday as well. Uh, Carmelo's married to Corey Graves, who also works for WWE. Um, an ectopic pregnancy occurs. I'm sorry, Carmelo wrote that she spent 12 hours in the emergency room on Saturday after experiencing sharp pains on her left side. After tests and ultrasounds were done, she was diagnosed with an abnormal pregnancy. An ectopic pregnancy occurs when a fertilized egg implants and grows outside the main cavity of the uterus. If left untreated, it can cause life-threatening bleeding for that pregnant woman. Carmela noted the reason she's choosing to share what she's been through is that it's something people don't talk about enough. She wants to help women who have suffered the same kind of loss and understand that they're not to blame and there isn't anything wrong with them. Um, Carmela and WWE commentary Corey Graves. Matthew Polinsky got married this April. This August, Carmela suffered a head injury while competing at a WWE house show, and she has not wrestled since then. Um, obviously the situation of the pregnancy is keeping her out for some time as well. So we're reading, we're wishing Carmela a speedy recovery and wishing her and Corey the best as well. Um, and not to push her situation to the side in other WWE news. They did finish the investigation into the situation on the Vince McMahon scandal. Um, they have now dismantled the group that was doing this investigation. And apparently it cost them about $19.4 million. So it, cost you guys generally 20 million dollars to find out that vince mcmahon was on some creepy shit why is anybody surprised uh this is absolutely crazy in my opinion uh but i mean who the fuck really cares about my opinion i'm just saying uh you know i don't know i just like what the fuck dude <laughs> uh i don't know i don't know where we're going from here with wwe but i like what hunter's doing i will say that uh, the rest of the show right now is gaming news, so I'm going to go ahead and switch over to that, and obviously the rest of the show will be recorded after, um, um, after the God of War Ragnarok review scores go live. Uh, TheVerge.com reports that Microsoft promises to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for as long as PlayStation exists. Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer has been making a clearer and clearer comments about Call of Duty in recent interviews. Quote, we're not taking Call of Duty from PlayStation is the message from Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer this week. Spencer's, Spencer has recently been discussing the future of Call of Duty if the Activision acquisition clears, and he's made his clearest comments yet in a new podcast interview with YouTubers Justine and Jenna Ez Ezrick. Quote, as long as there's a PlayStation out there to ship to, our intent is that we continue to ship Call of Duty on PlayStation, says Spencer on the Same Brain podcast. Similar to what we've done with Minecraft since we've owned that, we've expanded the places people can play Minecraft. We haven't reduced the places, and it's, and it's been good for the Minecraft community, in my opinion. And I want to do the same as we think about where Call of Duty can go. While there's been a public back and forth over the future of Call of Duty between Sony and Microsoft, Spencer has compared Call of Duty to Microsoft twice recently. Speaking at the Wall Street Journal's tech conference last week, Spencer also hinted at plans to bring Call of Duty to the Nintendo Switch to treat the franchise like Minecraft and keep it on rival platforms. It would absolutely have to be 
just interjecting, it have to be a cloud version. Call of Duty cannot natively run on a Switch the way it runs on a PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, or Xbox Series S or X. It just can't. The Switch is basically on par with the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3, which were two generations removed from. There's no way it natively runs on those consoles. It would have to be through the cloud. And obviously, with the multiplayer online, you'd have to have goddamn good internet access. Okay? Quote, Call of Duty specifically will be available on PlayStation, said Spencer. I'd love to see it on the Switch. I'd love to see the game playable on many different screens. Our intent is to treat Call of Duty like Minecraft. Call of Duty fans have been debating whether Microsoft will make the game exclusive to Xbox ever since the news of Microsoft's $68.7 billion Activision acquisition broke earlier this year. Spencer was quick to publicly say Microsoft had a desire to keep Call of Duty on the PlayStation, but a written commitment to Sony wasn't enough to prevent concerns from the PlayStation maker. After The Verge revealed last month that Spencer had made a written commitment to PlayStation head, Jim Ryan earlier this year to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for several more years beyond the existing marketing deal Sony has with Activision. Sony labeled Microsoft's offer, quote, inadequate on many levels. Microsoft also says keeping Call of Duty on PlayStation is a commercial imperative for the Xbox business and the economics of the transaction and filings to the UK competition regulator. Microsoft says it will put revenue at risk if it pulled Call of Duty from PlayStation and that Microsoft has been clear that it is counting on revenues from the distribution of Activision Blizzard games on Sony PlayStation. The difference with Minecraft, a lot of people do play Minecraft. It's actually the greatest high-selling video game of all time. PlayStation and Call of Duty is kind of a different thing. Your chief rival still having access to the game, I'm not saying it's going to be detrimental, but a lot of people do play Call of Duty on a PlayStation console. Um, so take what you want from that. I'm not sure what happens at that point. Speaking of the good folks over at the House of Blue, we now finally have information regarding PlayStation VR 2, and this comes from PlayStation.blog. November 2nd, 2022, PlayStation VR 2 launches in February at the cost of $549.99. Okay, so if it goes on pre-order through Amazon, I'm going to pre-order it, and I'll just get Amazon gift cards over time and pay it off. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, <clears throat> pre-orders for the PSVR 2 headset games and PSVR 2 Sense controlling uh, controller charging station coming later this month. Over the past several months, we've introduced PlayStation VR 2 and provided glimpses into the next generation of virtual reality gaming, which will allow you to escape into the new worlds while feeling a groundbreaking sense of immersion. Today, I'm very pleased. This comes from Vice President Brand Hardware and Peripherals of SIE, Isabella uh, Tomatis, I believe. I'm not sure. Today, I'm very pleased to announce that PlayStation VR 2 is officially launching on February 22nd of 2023. Happy birthday, Mom. That would be my mom's 62nd birthday. So happy birthday, Mom. Early happy birthday, Mom. Uh, PlayStation VR 2 Sense Controller Charging Station, designed specifically for the PSVR 2 Sense Controller, will also launch the same day. Here's the PSVR 2 lineup. Recommended retail pricing for each product. Availability in each county is subject to local import regulations. So the headset and the controllers... PSVR 2, $549.99, so $550, including tax. Um, that's in the U.S. That's including the PSVR 2 headset, PSVR 2 sense controllers, and stereo headphones. Okay. Uh, the Horizon Call of the Mountain bundle is $599, so $600. It's crazy. A lot of people are already upset that, like, why does the PSVR 2 cost more than the PlayStation? Well, it costs $50 more uh 
than the PlayStation 5. It costs $50 more than the PS5 if you have the disc version, which I have. If you hear me tapping, that's me tapping on my PlayStation 5. Um, the Horizon Call of the Mountain bundle, not interested. I looked at Call of the Mountain. I didn't really care for Horizon Forbidden West. I'm not going to lie. I liked Horizon Zero Dawn much better. So Call of the Mountain doesn't really do anything for me. Uh, the PSVR 2 Sense controlling, uh, Controller Charging Station is $50 here in the U.S. Players can charge the PSVR 2 Sense Controller through a simple click and design without having to connect to a PS5 console, freeing up the console's USB ports. Standalone software titles including Horizon Call of the Mountain will also be available for pre-order starting this month. More details will be provided at a later date. During this initial launch phase for our next-gen headset, players in the U.S., U.K., France, Germany, Belgium, Netherlands, and Luxembourg will initially be able to pre-order PlayStation VR solely through PlayStation's online store, direct.playstation.com. Oh. Pre-orders will begin on November 15th, and players may begin registering for uh, pre-orders starting today. Orders from direct.playstation.com for PlayStation VR 2 headsets and bundles will ship throughout the week of launch. In other markets, PlayStation VR 2 will be sold at participating retailers or pre-orders beginning on November 15th. Information will be provided through participating local retailers in these regions. Um, so, it doesn't look like... It looks like you can only pre-order from PlayStation Direct. I don't like that. I'm going to be completely honest with you. The Amazon pre-order system is pretty nice. You pre-order it, you pay for it before it ships. You can go buy Amazon gift cards to take care of that balance before the item ships. And I think that's pretty awesome. Apparently, Sony does not. Um, I pre-ordered my PlayStation 5 through Amazon. This is really strange. Um, they're trying to keep every dollar for themselves, which I get it, but I just don't really like this. I don't like If that's the only place you can pre-order it, I'm going to have to do more research, but it looks like right now pre-orders only through PlayStation Direct, and I think that's a fucking huge mistake. Uh, let me read this again. During this initial launch phase, US, UK, France, Germany, Belgium, Netherlands will initially be able to pre-order uh, solely, solely through PlayStation's online store, direct.playstation.com. And they do require you to have the balance in full at the time of pre-order. So, well, that fucking sucks. I don't know. That's really shitty. Um, and PlayStation Direct pre-ordering from them, it's good. Like, The Last of Us Part 1 for PlayStation 5, the Firefly versions, those were gone not even within an hour. Not even within an hour. So you know how quick that they need to make these available to other retailers as well. I'm just saying. Uh... Target, Walmart, Best Buy, Amazon, all those places. It should be available at multiple places, including GameStop. And I know they have a terrible system, but directly through PlayStationDirect.com. That's really shitty. I'm just being completely honest. I don't know. I'm upset about this. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it or hide the situation. I'm upset about this. I think that's really fucking nuts. But anyway, that concludes this part of the show. Uh, stick around for reaction to the God of War Ragnarok uh, review scores. All right, just a second. Okay, guys, welcome to part two of the episode. Uh, before I get started on all the God of War stuff, I do want to report on something that happened today. If you remember, most of the episode or the first part of the episode was recorded on uh, Wednesday night, November 2nd. So I'm finishing up on November 3rd because the God of War review embargo lifted um at 9 a.m pacific time this morning 
Uh, so I got a bunch of stuff to go over as far as that goes. But this is a press release from the Brooklyn Nets, November 3rd, 2022. Over the last several days, we have made repeated attempts to work with Kyrie Irving to help him understand the harm and danger of his words and actions, which began with him publicizing a film containing deeply disturbing uh, anti-Semitic hate. We believe that taking the path of education in this challenging situation would be the right one and thought that we had made progress with our joint commitment to er eradicating hate and intolerance. We are dismayed today when given an opportunity in a media session that Kyrie refused to unequivocally say he has no anti-Semitic beliefs, nor acknowledge specific hate, uh, hateful material in the film. This was not the first time he had the opportunity, but failed to clarify. Such failure to disavow anti-Semitism when given a clear opportunity to do so is deeply disturbing. Uh, is against the values of our organization and constitutes conduct detrimental to the team. Accordingly, we are the view we are of the view that he is currently unfit to be associated with the Brooklyn Nets. We have decided that Kyrie will serve as a suspension without pay until he satisfies a series of objective uh, objective remedial measures that address the harmful impact of his conduct. And the sus suspension period served is no less than five games. This is five games without pay for Kyrie Irving. Um, for, you know, I don't know exactly what he said. To be completely honest with you, I'm trying to stay away from all that right now. Everything with Kanye and this, that, and the third, it was just too much. And I didn't want to deal with it anymore. Every time you turn around and you see it, it's here, it's there, it's every freaking where. And I just got tired of it. I'm going to be completely honest with you. So um, I wasn't tapping into what Kyrie was saying. I wasn't paying attention. I know that some people viewed it as anti-Semitic. Um, I don't know what he said, so I'm not here to judge, but it seems that a lot of people feel the way. But there are also people who feel like what he said is right and what Kanye says is right. Again, not my place to judge. Um, I'm not going to go any further into it, but I did feel like I wanted to go ahead and comment on it just so you guys were aware. By the time this episode uh, is available on Patreon, he will have been suspended for two days. I'm not sure how many games, if the Nets have a game tonight or tomorrow or Saturday when the episode will first air on Patreon first. Uh, or Sunday or Monday when the episodes um, are available on the free feeds at 9 a.m. So, not sure. But um, that's the news out of the association today. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets are an absolute mess. Um, probably was the best thing to break up that team this summer. But the Nets held steadfast in, in what they wanted in return for Kevin Durant. And no team was going to for the Nets to get what they want for another team to walk away with Kevin Durant. There's no point. There's no point in trading to get Durant because you bring him in. You're supposed to bring him into a team that is on the cusp and ready to go over because Durant is 34. It's not like he's 22 and you can rebuild around him. He's 30. He's 34, if I'm not mistaken. So you want to bring him into a team with young talent where he can be the veteran who is the best shooter in the league, and pushed them over the top. The Lakers obviously coveted Kyrie Irving. Um, I know they coveted some other guys. They weren't willing to part with those picks. Obviously, they've started the season really bad. Miami has started the season bad. Philly has started the season pretty bad. Brooklyn has started the season terribly. On top of that, they fired Steve Nash. They're more than likely going to bring in M.A. Udoka, who was suspended by the Boston Nets. I'm sorry, Boston Celtics. Um, and Ben Simmons... Still, you know, after all that time off, and now it doesn't look like he can play basketball basketball at all. Any confidence he has, it seems, is completely gone. So we have to sit here and ask ourselves these questions. What, what was stopping Brooklyn from blowing that team up this summer? Because they could have walked away with some draft picks and this, that, and the third. 
And now, because they felt like they wanted to hold their position and felt like they were holding all the cards, this season's a failure. And if I'm MAU Doka, I don't even know if I want to take that job. Do I want to coach again? Probably. But at this point, like, why? Really, why? So, um, it's just funny. You know, months ago, they said they were holding all their cards. And now look at the Brooklyn Nets. They look absolutely insane. You had to send one of your top players home for five games without pay for anti-Semitic beliefs. Um, You fired your head coach. And you got a guy who hasn't played in a full year that you traded away James Harden for. And this guy comes back and it looks like this is the first time he's ever picked up a basketball. This is the Brooklyn Nets. And you could have walked away with some draft picks and things this summer, but you didn't want to make a move. Uh, I'm not saying Russell Westbrook would have fixed things in Brooklyn. I don't know how it would have worked out with him and Kevin Durant or if Durant would have, you know, pulled his trade request if they had made the move for a straight-up swap between Kyrie and Westbrook. I don't know. But the Brooklyn Nets are no better off right now than they were this summer when they refused to move Durant for less than a humongous package of young talent and picks. Um, they're no better off when they refuse to move Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris for Russell Westbrook. They're no better off today than they were. Um, now Steve Nash is gone. You're looking to bring in a guy who was suspended for, you know, apparently, con- uh, issues detrimental to the team conduct and things like that. The Brooklyn Nets are a sideshow. So that's all I got to say about that. Anyway, we are here for business. Part two of this episode covering god of war ragnarok again the review embargo lifted at 9 a.m uh, 9 a.m pacific time today uh everybody was waiting and here's what some people are saying gene park says god of war ragnarok is my favorite story of 2022 it starts slow but ends with a magnificent flourish it's the rare story that's even better than the second time around and this has the best combat and puzzles the series ever seen God of War Ragnarok has finally dethroned The Witcher 3 with the best side quests I've played in an adventure game. The game's coolest fights, most heartfelt stories, and grandest areas are, the, are in the side quests. Do not skip them. Right now, on Open Critic, as of this morning, it is sitting at 94. Um, it opened at 94 on Metacritic as well, but by the time more reviews started to flood and it went up to 95, I believe it may be back down to 94. Ben Bayless says, my ex- my accessibility review of God of War Ragnarok comes in at an 8 out of 10. It's the most accessible installment in the series, made me swear out loud, and has a lot of good going for it, though players will still come across for, uh, frustrations and fairly critical errors. areas. I'm sorry. Um, Mr. P.O., God of War Ragnarok reviews, Sony's ultimate masterpiece, Ragnarok defined everything I love about gaming, moments I will never forget, a true timeless masterpiece, flawless combat system that feels more satisfying than my orgasm oh my god a new blueprint for sequels just wow um who is this i have the full review from this company i believe uh whoever this is they gave it a nine a huge world filled with lore and adventure tons of side content that feels connected to the overall story an excellent and expansive story that explores tons of concepts and characters that were hinted at in the previous game the only minus they gave it was they rushed the ending that skims over or drops plot lines that have been discussed as far back as the first game. Uh, here's the majority of the reviews so far. IGN 10, Gaming Bolt 10, Gaming Nexus 10, Next Gen Base 10, Push Square 10, Press Start 10, VGC 5 out of 5, Twinfinite 5 out of 5, 
EGM, 5 out of 5. Game Informer, 9.5. GameSpot, 9. Easy Allies, 9. That gave you the Metacritic score of 94 and the Open Critic of 94 as well. Danny Pena says, if you were a fan of the previous game, God of War 18, then you are going to love God of War Ragnarok even more. The game is beautiful, story is dope, and combat has been improved. This game is truly a gem. Congrats, Santa Monica Studio. Um, so based on 63 critic reviews, it was at 95 at some point earlier today. Um, again, some of the scores. Push Square, 10 out of 10. Gaming Trend, 10 out of 10. Twinfinite, 10 out of 10. Uh, JVL, 10 out of 10. Press Start, 10 out of 10. Game Rant, 10 out of 10. Gaming Bolt, 10 out of 10. Geek Culture, 10 out of 10. Next Gen Base, 10 out of 10. MMORPG.com, 10 out of 10. We Got This Covered, 10 out of 10. Game Informer, 9.5 out of 10. IGN, 10 out of 10. Uh, Trusted Reviews, 10 out of 10. Game Spew, 10 out of 10. The Independent, 10 out of 10. Uh, EGM, 10 out of 10. GameSpot, 9 out of 10. GameSpur, 10 out of 10. VG247, 10 out of 10. GameBlog, 10 out of 10. Silicon Era, 10 out of 10. Uh, that is really small. PSU, 10 out of 10. Gaming Nexus, 10 out of 10. God of War Ragnarok is sweeping through. Um, if you're wondering what another high score was for a Game of the Year contender this year, Elden Ring got a 96 on Metacritic. So God of War, as of earlier today, was sitting at 95. I don't know if it dropped back down to 94. I believe it may have dropped back down, but 94, 95, it looks absolutely phenomenal. So... I do have an article, and this is from GamingBible.co. Uh, God of War Ragnarok review a stunning finale to Kratos' Norse Saga. God of War Ragnarok is everything one could possibly have hoped for from the sequel to 2018's God of War. It's faster, smarter, and decidedly more savage than its predecessor. It's also frequently heartbreaking uh, meditation on fate. One, is a, one that is unafraid to put away its weapons... Slow down and reflect on the bloodshed. I feel no hesitation whatsoever in saying that this is the best PlayStation exclusive since The Last of Us Part Two. It is truly a stunning achievement of interactive storytelling that boasts world-class visuals, top performances, and impressively slick combat and exploration that improves on the original gameplay in every conceivable way. Santa Monica Studios' smart reinvention of Kratos continues in Ragnarok, and believe me when I say you've never seen the Ghost of Sparta like this. 2018's God of War showed us a new side to the iconic character, but Ragnarok paints Kratos in remarkable new shades. This is a tired old soldier struggling to connect with his teenage son, doing what he can to prevent war and bloodshed. He takes the time to help wounded animals, he tries to avoid conflict, and take the path of peace where he can. At one point in the game, he even smiles to devastating effect. It is a captivating subversion of everything Kratos previously stood for, even if the people around him aren't quite convinced. Quote, you still kill gods, but now you feel sad about it, one character, who I won't name for spoilery reasons, observes at one point in the game. Can we really overcome our true natures and sidestep what seems to be written in stone? It's a question Ragnarok delights in answering slowly, methodically, and with no small amount of pain. Kratos doesn't want to be sorry, he wants to be better. It is, of course, the wildly talented Christopher Judge who provides the beating heart of the story as Kratos, carrying the narrative forward on his substantial shoulders. Judge can do more with a single, exasperated sigh or an angry grunt than most actors can do with an entire five-minute monologue, and when he is called on to deliver the big emotional scenes, he doesn't disappoint. I wouldn't bet against him when it's time to hand out the awards this year. If you're concerned that this all means Kratos is less effective in battle, don't be. When it comes to combat, our tortured hero has never been faster or more brutal. 
Kratos zips across the, little, uh, the battlefield with surprising speed for a man of his size, throwing his full weight in every swing of the axe and pounding of the fist. You get access to Leviathan Axe and Blades of Chaos almost immediately this time around, offering a much greater range of combat options from the very start. The Blades of Chaos in particular have been massively improved, as has being able to switch between the two deadly weapons on the fly for devastating elemental effects and wince-inducing uh, finishers. As far as combat is concerned, it's more of a refinement than a complete overall. Overhaul, I'm sorry, but I dare say the challenge, uh, the changes are so impressive that 2018's God of War may genuinely, genuinely be a pain to go back to after this. That's interesting. There's also a third weapon you'll get later on in the game menu that I won't discuss too much because you need to experience it for yourself. Trust me, though, it's an absolute blast and welcome addition to Kratos' bag of tricks. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I would imagine that would be Mjolnir, Thor's hammer. Obviously, the Jotner edition and the collector's edition come with the 16-inch replica of the hammer. Um, I can't wait to get mine, and I don't think you put that out unless that's the weapon you're going to get to, to wield. The violence appears semi-justified under the guise that you're either fighting mindless monsters or otherwise protecting the people you care about. It can be hard to stomach Kratos ripping a raider in two uh, in between scenes that insist he's changed, but that's kind of the point. And you know, this is a God of War game at the end of the day. Certainly it handles the relationship between moment-to-moment -moment gameplay and the overall consequences of violence better than Last of Us Part Two. Although the fantasy setting lends, uh, lends it an obvious advantage in, the, in that department. You'll kill these things resembling dogs, but it's not going to leave you as broken as Naughty Dog's 2020 adventure. When you killed like German Shepherds in The Last of Us 2, it did feel pretty shitty. I'm not going to lie, as a dog lover. Uh, Kratos doesn't just use his arsenal for caving in skulls, by the way. Like the last game, his weapons also play a part in the game's many puzzles some of which are really rather fiendish, but where the 2018 God of War was fairly content to allow more puzzles to boil down to throwing an axe at a certain spot, Ragnarok is infinitely more creative when it comes to combining weapons and com uh, companion abilities in a number of fascinating ways. One early level will, you, will see you controlling water wheels by freezing the water with the axe before using the blades to move things where they need to be. Another memorable section gives Atreus the ability to create a chain reaction with his arrows, making for some fun spatial brain teasers. I only wish there were an option to tell Atreus to quiet down and not immediately give me hints the second I stumble onto a puzzle. Hardcore RPG fans will also be delighted to discover there are also a range of unlockable and ungradable armors, skills, weapon parts, and stat-based menus that you can lose yourself in should you wish to. Uh, wish to. Preparing the right gear and buffs becomes vital at uh, the higher difficulties, obviously, but anyone who doesn't want to deal with any of that and just gets stuck in the action can choose from a wide range of options designed to tone the combat down. All I'll say for uh, here for anyone really hoping for a challenge, if you thought the optional Valkyrie bosses were tough, you haven't seen anything yet. Um, this article goes on for quite a while, so I'm not going to go too deep into it, but it seems like they were very, very enamored with the game. And that's all I'm starting to see so far. Um, another article from Game Revolution. Uh, God of War 2018 is a tough act to follow. It got the highest possible scores from tons of publications, including us, uh, and has sold over 23 million copies. We called it a console-defining game for the PlayStation 4, so needless to say, there are big expectations for God of War Ragnarok. Fortunately, Ragnarok manages to meet and even exceed the hype for the most part. It's bigger, bolder, and packed with more adventure than its predecessor. Unfortunately, a lackluster final act means it falls a little short of perfection. God of War Ragnarok starts three years after the previous game's ending. Baldur's death marked the beginning of Fimble Winter in which snow and blizzards engulfed all of Midgar. Because of this, Tyr's temple and the Lake of Nine have become an icy wasteland making realm travel impossible. 
In the three years since Atreus and Kratos returned from Jotunheim, they've been training, still mad with a desire for vengeance. Freya continues to hound them, but Faye's protective barrier keeps her at bay. The two have tried to figure out a way to prevent Ragnarok and stop the destruction of all the realms except Asgard. Unfortunately, since the two have been stuck in Midgard, they have yet to make much progress. However, it comes to light that Atreus has been sneaking out of the protective barrier and has found an alternate prophecy that predicts an outcome exactly the opposite of what the original states. In it, the realms unite against Acer during Ragnarok, defeat Odin, and destroy Asgard. Which would make sense why Odin would show up, because he doesn't want to die. Uh, the catch is that at the end of the last game, there was a mural amongst the giant prophecies that said Kratos would die during Ragnarok. So the big dilemma throughout the game is whether to prevent Ragnarok and keep the status quo, which potentially would save Kratos or risk it all and try to ensure Asgard falls. Um, at the end, when they're in the temple, the reason Faye wanted them to go to the highest mountain, when they get there, Atreus is like, wow, they knew everything that we were going to do. And Kratos, and he was like, well, that's the end. And Atreus walks the other way. And Kratos stops at the end of the mural, and he's laying there dead, Atreus holding him, and I believe the world serpent is there too. Kratos at that point is like, oh, so this is how I die. So I guess if you stop Ragnarok, then Kratos dies, but if you let Ragnarok happen, then Kratos doesn't die. So I don't know, a lot of people predicted that Kratos was going to die in this game, and now I just, I, I'm like, I have to wait. I have to wait. Um, I'm not going to look at any spoilers or anything like that. Obviously, I got the digital copy. Uh, I downloaded it today. Um, or was it yesterday morning? It was yesterday morning. I'm sorry. Before I went to work, it was already installed. It was installed on my PS5. So I'm ready to go. Um, so anyway, continue with the article. The catch is at the end of the last game, there was a mural amongst the giant prophecies that said Kratos would die during Ragnarok. So the big dilemma throughout the game is whether to prevent Ragnarok and keep the status quo, which potentially would save Kratos, or risk it all and try to ensure Asgard falls. A, recur a recurring theme throughout the game is whether the three uh, the characters' fates are predetermined. The giants left behind many prophecies, all of which seem to come to pass despite the group's best efforts to stop them. So could they stop Ragnarok if they wanted to, or are they locked into a course of action that uh, they can't change despite knowing what the future holds? In the background is Kratos' struggle to let Atreus be his own person. In the three years that have passed, Atreus has grown into a young man. It's a hard transition for Kratos, who has only barely grasped the role of fathering a boy to now look at him as a man. The story, the story is suitably epic, as you might expect from a game about Ragnarok. The cast is much expanded from the last part of the journey, and you'll meet many people and see many sights that were only hinted at before. For example, Sarvartheim, home of the dwarves gives us our first glance an existing, at an existing civilization and lets us know what's at stake if Ragnarok proceeds as prophesied. Playing straight through with no detours will take around 20 to 25 hours. However, it felt much longer in a good way because of how much territory you cover. This time around, you'll visit all nine realms and the game scope is much greater. Despite the larger amount of territory, the pacing is excellent for most of the game. However, Santa Monica Studios' desire to end the Norse storyline with Ragnarok resulted in the last bit feeling rushed. A few plot points, which are discussed multiple times throughout the game, ended up end up being glossed over or dropped completely without explanation, given how dense the game already is. It would have been a reach to make it second part. Uh, it wouldn't have been a reach, I'm sorry, to make it second part of a trilogy. Regardless, with God of War Ragnarok, it's more about the journey than the destination. But of course, when you have a cast of beloved characters, any ending will be bittersweet. So even though it didn't quite stick the landing, it's an immensely satisfying adventure uh, overall. Um, 
so yeah, this is the positive and negatives that I just read. Uh, they gave it a nine. Uh, and again, it goes on a little bit more itself, so I'm not going to go deep into it. Needless to say, everybody agrees that it's a phenomenal game, and everybody's really, really, looking, really looking forward to playing it. Another tweet I want to read before I go ahead and wrap this up. This comes from Tim Geddes of Kinda Funny. He says, there's The Last of Us Part 1 and The Last of Us Part 2. There's Infinity War and Endgame. There's God of War 2018 and Ragnarok. Same league, back-to-back classics. So he's putting this game in very, very high regard, and it seems that everybody else is. Uh, one thing, obviously, I'm not going to go deep into this because I don't do the um, the console war stuff. Obviously, you have fans of PlayStation and fans of Xbox, and PlayStation fans have been saying, yeah, you guys are talking all this shit now. Wait till God of War Ragnarok comes. I actually saw quite a few guys who were super Xbox-centric say, this score looks good. I'm happy for a lot of you guys. It seems like you're really going to enjoy this game. Um, I didn't get into any spaces or anything like that, but everybody seemed to be pretty happy based on the scores the game got today. Uh, So I'm very excited to play it next week. Cannot wait. I've been thinking because they released uh, the the performance modes and things like that for the PlayStation 4 version and the PlayStation 5 version. I still have my PS4 Pro and I obviously have my PS5. So I'm thinking of actually downloading. It's already on my PS5. I'm thinking about turning on my PS4 and downloading it on there and maybe doing a complete run for a platinum on the PS4 and just doing the story on the PS5. I don't know. Um, I looked. The trophies haven't... Uh, trophies have not been announced yet, so I'm not sure what's needed to gain the platinum. So, I don't know. I guess I'll hold off until we figure out what's going on on there. But, again, the game seems to look really, really good. And everybody seems to be really, really excited. So, I can't wait to play it. Uh, Anyway, that's my time for today. I want to thank you guys as well. uh, As always, tune in. Twitch.tv slash the Derek Lamont Experience. Uh, Also, if you're listening to this in the free feeds and you want to get these episodes early, as well as exclusive audio and video content, Subscribe to patreon.com slash the Derek Lamont experience. New episodes of Insole Unfiltered coming up. The blog will be updated as well. Um, and um, I think that's it. Holiday content coming across all platforms, though. Streams going forward, uh, probably from Thanksgiving on forward, will be very holiday themed. And I will release my holiday playlists on iTunes and I'm sorry, Apple Music and Spotify. So. Uh, as always, going to end this like I end every other episode of the podcast. Believe in yourself first and foremost, because if you don't, nobody else will believe in you. As always, my name is Derek Lamont Jackson. That's my time. You guys have a good one. Peace out.